0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz Today. And just like that, the governor's race in Indiana has begun. Tony Katz, Tony Katz Today. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. Tony Good to be with you. It was Senator Mike Braun who said he was running for governor. Long before that it was uh, Eric doden businessman out of Fort Wayne saying he's running for governor and as expected uh, and I will admit uh, this one had the, the 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 least bit of 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 uh of drama the lieutenant governor Suzanne Crouch announcing her bid for governor crouch for indiana c r o u c h crouch for indiana dot com is the site the Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch joins us. Uh, Right now, Um, I I would only assume after uh, six years uh, as lieutenant governor, um, you're in uh, a prime spot with a a prime uh, springboard. Uh, But I I will admit to you, lieutenant governor, that you're probably one of the uh, most high profile, but least known people uh, in Indiana uh, politics to, to the general populace. So how do you describe yourself and this run for governor after being lieutenant governor for what will be eight years
1: well thank you tony and it's so good to be with you and we're traveling the state visiting with hoosiers sharing my vision for indiana in fort wayne today was in evansville and southeast indiana and indianapolis yesterday doing what i've done for the past six years visiting communities all over the state of indiana connecting with hoosiers being able to deliver for them and you know what tony Yes, it's been six years as lieutenant governor, but I was auditor of state before that. I was a state representative before that and then a county commissioner before that and an auditor, a Vandenberg County auditor. So I have a record. I have a proven record where I've delivered results for Hoosiers and I'll carry that record of my vision for Indiana to them.
0: So let's talk about vision and let's talk about results. Let's start with the latter first. When you talk about delivering results as you see them, what are they? Well, this administration
1: has announced a $22 billion CapEx investment, and that breaks last year's record, which was $8.7 billion. So we are knocking it out of the park in terms of economic development. We have the best infrastructure in the country. We're one of 14 states with a AAA credit bond rating. We had the best environment in the Midwest, the sixth best environment in the country. We have accomplished a lot for Hoosiers, but there's more we can do. And my vision for the future focuses on quality of life, because that's the next chapter in Indiana's history.
0: Talking to Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch. She's running for governor. crouch for Indiana. Uh, dot com. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it where you're taking it because I'm curious. What does quality of life, uh, in, in, involve? You know, you, 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 if you want to sit and, and talk about the dollars that have been brought in to Indiana, uh, business investment, that's great. I can also mention the investments that we did not get, whether it's LG and certain battery plants, whether it's Intel and not being able to secure, uh, that chip farm that's going to go to our neighbor Ohio and $20 billion of investment. So we've taken in, But we haven't taken in maybe as well as we could have. But if we get into a quality of life, what's missing? How do you bring it? Well, first of
1: all, Tony, quality of life is how we grow our population and how we attract talent. It used to be that people followed businesses. Today, businesses are following people. And people want to live where they enjoy that quality of life. I would point to the fact that the $500 million investment that the state has made into the Ready grants, which are putting in place all over Indiana, quality of life projects that will be able to hold our young people here, attract talent, and grow our population. And by the way, Indiana, unlike any, grew our population in the last 10 years by 300,000 people. But we need more. It's why we focus on the quality of life and the quality of place. It's why we Look at how we can invest more in mental health and public health in Indiana. How we can invest in education and continue to strengthen our families and communities in Indiana. That's how we end up giving Hoosiers more opportunities, and that's what I want to do as governor.
0: I'd like to go over it again, if we could, uh, Lieutenant Governor. I live in Indiana. I I am a Hoosier. I think after eight and a half years, I get to say that. I might have to wait till it's ten years. I'm not sure how the terms how the uh, I anniversary think you're goes. A um, well, there it is. It, it's we're, we're, it's official now. I live here in in a Crouch administration. How does the quality of my life get better? What are those specifics? Is it talking about job opportunities? Is it talking about uh, uh, playtime? What is it in your view that increases my quality of life? Well, it's about
1: growing our economy and giving more opportunities to Hoosiers, being sure that all Hoosiers are employed, including Hoosiers with disabilities, which, by the way, have a 70 percent unemployment rate. It's about investing in education and having a cradle-to-career education system where every child, upon graduation from high school, is ready for the next step, whether it's enlistment, employment, or enrollment. It's about strengthening our families and communities, making them strong and making them safe. And it's about transforming government, Tony. It's about making government more responsive and more accountable, more transparent for Hoosiers, making it work for them. Uh, You know, it's about you having more opportunities in life to grow your jobs, to be able to strengthen your families and your communities and invest in education we're doing a good job
0: talking to lieutenant governor Suzanne Crouch running for governor uh, of Indiana uh, let's get into the politics of of the thing um, six years as lieutenant governor to Eric Holcomb I um, Where do you see the differentiation? Is it a continuation of his policies, or is there a split between the Crouch uh, point of view and the Holcomb point of view?
1: I think it's more of doing more for Indiana, having more opportunity, building on the foundation that we've established. You know, Tony, I've been a part of the last 17 years of turning This state around as a state representative, auditor of state, and lieutenant governor. And I remember when I was in local government, Tony, the state was not in good fiscal condition. But today, because of fiscal conservative leadership at the state level, we have balanced budgets, we have low taxes, and we have healthy surpluses. We're now ready for that next step in Indiana's future, and that is that quality of life piece that we've been talking about. So, yes, we will build upon the foundation And I'm proud
0: of what we've accomplished, but we can do even more for Hoosiers. There's nothing that you see as a specific turn. I see uh, Indiana going in this direction different than what Governor Holcomb saw. I think we go in a new direction. And I think we
1: will create even more opportunities for Hoosiers. We will build upon the foundation that's been established, but we will do things even more. I want to focus on giving every Hoosier an opportunity to have a job and to have a meaningful life. That includes Hoosiers with disabilities that have a 70% unemployment rate. You know, that includes Hoosiers in poverty. It includes Hoosiers in middle class families that want to be prepared for the future.
0: Well, now let me ask you this, uh, fixing that connection before I let you go. You've got Eric Doden to contend with. You've got Senator Mike Braun to uh, uh, contend with. And these are people who can write large checks to running a campaign, how do you compete against that?
1: Do you know what? I'm not a self-funder. First time I ran, Tony, my husband and I put one or two thousand dollars in my campaign as county auditor back in 1986, and I lost. And I pledged to myself I would never do that again. If I can't convince Hoosiers that I'm a good investment for them and for the state of Indiana, I don't deserve to win. So my money comes from thousands of Hoosiers all over Indiana. By the end of this year, we'll have three million in the bank. And that is what we will be working on and focusing on, carrying that message about how Indiana can do more, build on the foundation that we've had, and give more opportunities to Hoosiers. But my support will come from Hoosier, from that grassroots support that I have, from traveling the state for all eight years from connecting with communities, from being a local elected official in the past and connecting with them, from being a legislator and connecting with them. It's not only about the vision, Tony. It's about the relationships to make that vision a reality. And that's what I want to do for Hoosiers.
0: My thanks to Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch taking the time uh, to uh, be be with us. Uh, I've been going over this conversation, and um, I... Well, I have zero against Suzanne Crouch, zero. The few times that, that we've spoken, uh, she's been lovely to me. Hopefully, I've been lovely to her. But there is a, I noticed it in in the lieutenant governor. I've noticed it in Senator Mike Braun. The answering of questions somehow seems to be um, rather difficult because the answers seem to come in these These roundabout ways that don't actually get to the subject at hand. And I do not know how that's going to be taken by Hoosiers. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to be taken rather poorly. Answers need to be given quality of life what exactly is it you want to bring in more business what business and how will you attract them what about the businesses that didn't make it what is it you want to do about taxation specifically how are you going to handle the social issues wait till we get into conversations about the social issues I think that there's there's it, it's kind of fascinating in in both of them there is this there's this almost the same style of of the the non-answer to the question. Right. Let's call it what it is. It's a non answer to the question. It is not specifically a rudeness. But it's not. It is not on target and on point enough to satisfy. And I think that there is a disconnect between the style of politics that may have gotten them to where they are versus where the people are and what they demand now. You got to have much more clarity. You have to have more clarity. You have to be able to answer the question with specificity. You gotta not only have ideas, you gotta be able to explain out those ideas, spell out those ideas, as opposed to pie in in, in the sky things, uh, platitudes. And I'm not saying, by the way, for either one of them, they can't get there. I am saying in my Now, previous conversations with both of them, the lieutenant governor today and Senator Braun in previous conversations, they're not there. And I believe that the difference maker will be in the getting there. Now, you could say to me, Tony, it presents a problem. It presents a political problem. The political problem is if they engage specificity, that gives something for the other person to attack. And I'll say to you, I absolutely agree. But that's the price you pay. That's the price that you pay because I can spin that one. I give specificity to uh, support of of a policy or an idea that's going to move Hoosiers. Then uh, my opponent comes and tax me for that and, and goes into platitudes. I can respond by stating I was asked a question and I will never lie to Hoosiers. I will never lie to the people of Indiana. This is the honest answer. Here is the policy behind it and this is how we're going to move forward. My opponent doesn't want to engage in specificity because my opponent has no respect for Hoosiers. He or she believes that the only role of the Hoosier is to get them to where they want to go politically as opposed to ensuring that they are there to do the job that Hoosiers need done. Now, am I ready to run for office or what, people? Oh, don't tell me if I didn't run for governor. I couldn't give both of these people a run for their money. We'd have a good time. We'd have a good time. I, I, I will say this. I thought it was very interesting, her response about funding. And if the people aren't there to fund, then it's not going to work. I think it's a very interesting conversation because there there's, there's a, a good bit of truth in that. If you don't have the money to self fund, for example, uh, if very few people have the money to really self fund and write themselves checks for millions. You have to rely on, you know, to quote a phrase, the kindness of strangers in order to get that done. That is absolutely true, and I don't, I don't know what kind of of um, fundraising uh, arm outfit group uh, that that uh, Lieutenant Governor Crouch has. I, I don't know but she is right that you're going to have to get people to be convinced enough to write a check or hedge their bets enough to write a check. Can Suzanne Crouch do that? That is a unique, unique question, which I don't have an answer for. But I think the answer could be very, very telling if she starts raising money because it would say a lot about what they think about Senator Braun. Would it not? Am I not thinking about that correctly? I think think that I am. I think I am thinking about that correctly in every single regard. Find everything, by the way, tonycats.locals.com. 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 This is Tony Cats Today. heard me discuss before how the left protects the left and you can make the argument well people will always protect their people they will circle the wagons right that they always do it this is this goes without saying and, and i think that that's true people protect their people i just note that you can have somebody on the political left let's say andrew mccabe lie he's an fbi agent lying to fbi agents to not to ensure that he's not the target of an investigation and what happens to him? He gets a job at CNN. I mean, that's something else right there. Remember, when Michael Avenatti gets out of jail, that criminal that he is, and he always was, even though CNN was talking him up and lapping him up, and guys like Brian Stelter are like, I'm seriously considering you as a candidate for president, don't you know? meanwhile Brian Stelter's no longer at CNN and and uh, Michael Avenati's in in jail and as a criminal is a well scumbag based on what he, he he's done when he's out of jail he'll be back on CNN. It's crazy this level of rehabilitation that takes place that goes on pe- the, it, it's like look as long as you're with us we'll at least try to save you once it's it it always astounds. Then there's the stuff that completely confounds. And that's the story with John Fetterman. Who? Did have you forgotten already? John Fetterman, the senator elect for Pennsylvania, who has made the New York Times list of most stylish people. <laughs> but his whole place sucks. <laughs> That's right. It sucks. How? The man wears shorts and and, and hoodies, and he's not so sure where he is. He still can't complete a sentence. Stylish. Stylish. Come on now. That, you know, it's one thing to circle the wagons. It's another thing to be completely and totally out of one's head. These people are out of their minds, crazy, drunk, clearly, mm, beer. They stylish. You know, the New York Times used to be a, a, a newspaper. Oh, it's a true story. I just called her the old gray lady they did. Oh my gosh, and, and, and they would write news and people would be like, hmm, that seems to be fit to print. And ah, uh, the official record of what's happened in the United States, the New York Times. And now, and now, and now this. And now this, and of course, uh, just screaming that people are racist. They, this is this is what they're known for. First, they say to hell with journalistic principles. Let's go after Donald Trump until he's dead, and then uh, afterwards, like, okay, now we'll get back to journalism. And they expected people to go along with them. Oh, it's precious. It really is precious. The economy, well, that's a bit more perilous than precious. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, has the breakdown of the latest inflation numbers. This is Tony Katz today. So the numbers are in. It's just a question of whether or not these numbers actually mean anything. Because very often when we get numbers on inflation, whether it's super price index or producer price index, what we find is that the numbers seem to not tell the full story. The story of what's going on underneath, where our economy really is. Because the reactions from Wall Street don't necessarily mimic the reality on Midwest Main Street. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist, University of Indianapolis. Here is how CNBC puts it. Consumer prices rose less than expected in November, up 7.1% from a year ago, and I am staring at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, staring at the numbers where all items were up 7.1%, but food is up 106 energy is up 13.1% in the year over year, but for the month, we see energy prices down. First glance at this Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, is this report great or is this report miserable?
2: Well, Tony, I, it's, it's both. It's both, you know, I always like to use the analogy, it's, it's Powell versus Biden in this boxing match. And the headline is, Powell connects on, the, on a major hit to the chin. And that's true when you see the 0.1% in November, you know me, I like to annualize the month, that's 1.2 for the year, 1.2% for the year. Excellent, Tony. The market opened this morning up 650 points. This is where we wanna be. But Tony, that's not the whole story. When you dig into the details, the, the, the article says, you know, Biden has a lot of effective jabs to the midsection on, on Powell, because there's a lot of problems in this report. Food, energy is not as good as, it, as, as you made it sound just now. There are some major problems in the energy portion of this report. Rent is a problem. And then there's some stuff not in the report that scares me even more.
0: I wasn't trying to make anything sound good. I was pointing out what the report is saying, and you can explain to me why it's not good or it is good. The 1.2% annualized, the 0.1%, you attribute to what Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve at large, has been doing, that raising of interest rates, and you believe that's going to continue.
2: Well, OK, yes, yeah. so we talked about this last time we spoke, and I think it's going to continue at a slower pace. I think that Powell is probably going to overshoot the mark. He's probably going to go too far with his rate increases. That worries me. Um, but he's doing his job effectively. Unfortunately, he's battling Biden, who there was news out yesterday. And in this report, there's more details that Biden is effectively causing inflation to stick around.
0: And that comes from spending, or is there something else procedurally, policy-wise, that the Biden administration is doing that has economists like yourself very, very concerned?
2: Both, Tony, both. Let, let's talk first about the spending. Okay, you, you know, nobody's looking at the report that came out yesterday, the budget deficit report that came out yesterday. Remember, Biden keeps talking about he's cut spending, he's cut spending. Tony, yesterday— a 30% increase year over year in the budget deficit, 30%. In November alone, the deficit was $249 billion. A year ago, it was $190 billion. Tony, this is, this is tough. People might want to write this down. 249 is bigger than 190 We had a bigger deficit from last year. This is Biden-induced deficit. His estimates were wrong that he would be cutting the deficit. He was wrong. He knew he was wrong.
0: And the numbers show that he was wrong. So when we discuss wrong, we're, we're getting into the idea that somehow you could realize that and then make a change to that. But policy-wise, you don't see any of those changes, do you?
2: No, Tony. In fact, I'm not going to say he's wrong. I'll, I'll go a step further, and I guess I better lawyer up. He's lying to us. He's lying to us about the budget deficit, and he knows that he's lying to us because he's given pie-in-the-sky numbers that he knows are false. And the same thing on energy. I got to talk about this energy number, Tony, 1.6% down for the month. That is misleading, and the president is lying to you because he says when the prices go up, it's Putin's fault. When the prices go down, it's his benefit. That is the opposite. He has caused prices to go up in energy, Tony. We don't need to go over the whole list. We've talked about it before. Policy after policy after policy that he signed into law on the first day he took office has caused prices to go up. They're down not because of anything he's doing, Tony. Global recession, Putin is increasing his production. Venezuela is increasing production. Iran is increasing production. And Tony, don't look at the dirty little secret. Fuel oil, the stuff you use to heat your homes, fuel oil for two months, for two months, Tony, is up 21.5%. That's just two months, Tony, 21.5% increase in the cost to heat your home as we go into winter. Are people happy about that? Yeah, their gas prices are down. They're not driving anywhere, Tony. They're staying home and they're freezing to death.
0: Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I'm going to ask you just to go over it again because sometimes people may have missed things that you've talked about before. When you see the Dow, you know, just banging up there, what, 500, 600 points up, whatever the case may be, the pre-market was huge. The disconnect between Wall Street and Midwest Main Street is something I discuss all the time. You discuss Wall Street being the world's biggest drug addict. And when they see a report like this, they just mainline the drug, the top-line news. They don't ever get into the nitty-gritty. So why should the average American, taking a look at what's going on with their 401k, their portfolio, their investments, disregard where the market is at today because of this report?
2: Well, like we said, because of the drug addict, and they will be, they'll be—they'll have to come crashing down tomorrow because tomorrow, Jerome Powell is going to make a statement. And tomorrow, he's probably going to say, people, this is one month. Now, Tony, I do like the report top line. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I like it. And it's consistent with the PMI report we talked about last time, which is a production manufacturing index. It also showed prices coming down. But Jerome Powell is going to say, that's one month, people. That's one month. We're not going to make a change, of course, on one month, and he's going to throw cold water on this rally. The drug addict is going to get nervous that they're not going to get their low interest rate fixed. And they're not, because there's another hidden piece of information in this report, Tony. Wages are still going. up And in order to fight inflation, that's a major contributor. And Jerome Powell knows about that number. And he's going to say, darn it, Biden is still causing inflation. I've got to keep things tight. Now, I think he's going to over tighten personally, but I believe that's what you're going to hear from him tomorrow.
0: That we're going to see more increases. Uh, The thought was after all these three-quarter point increases, sir, we were going to be looking at quarter point increases. Is that what you're expecting?
2: I expect a half, but I I would wish he would go down to a quarter. I, we, okay, so you, to, you're, you are I,
0: expecting still a sizable chunk. I thought it was going to be quarters. You're saying you, you think based on his commentaries, based on uh, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell's commentaries, we'll see half a point.
2: Yes, I, I believe that very strongly because people, if you don't look at the market, don't look at the CPI report, just listen to his speeches. And if you listen to his speeches, he has not changed his tone, but a very, very little. And I don't think a little is a half a point. I think a little is more like a quarter point.
0: Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. We've seen some other moves that have taken place because of today's report. Uh, We've got the 10-year Treasury going below 3.5% because of this report. And we've seen some pretty fascinating numbers uh in this regarding things called in, inverted yield curves uh two-year versus uh 10-year uh treasuries that still i think is still going on so how does this report affect you in a conversation about recession we have heard uh people like uh, the secretary of the treasury uh, uh Janet Yellen. Well, Treasury Secretary uh, Janet Yellen, saying that uh, she expects inflation to go down in 2023. We have heard Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House Press Secretary, say that the administration doesn't see recession looming. But we see CEOs everywhere talking about recession. We see companies laying people off. We see companies engage in hiring freezes. We talk about uh, the actual production, the, the the manufacturing side of things, and how those numbers are off, all these things leading us in, in a certain direction. Um, does the do do these treasury numbers change your outlook on what's coming for 2023?
2: No, not one little bit, Tony, not one little bit. I agree with business leaders and what they've been saying. I agree with what Jamie Dimon has said. I agree with the people not in the political arena, arena, the political people in politics. I, I have to ignore what they say. It's just, it's just frustrating. But if you look at the business indexes and the business leaders, they see recession on the horizon And Tony, this is what shocked me. I'm confused because apparently you're right. The 30-year treasury is down, but the 30 or the 10-year treasury is down, but the 30-year mortgage rate is still above 7%. So apparently, like you said, uh, Main Street is still paying over 7% for a mortgage, even though the 10-year treasury is down, but an inverted yield curve is a longer discussion, Tony. It actually indicates a coming recession every inverted yield curve in history has been followed by a recession. And we just had a recession and the inverted yield curve looks like another one is coming.
0: So wait, so another one, so we don't have it right now. We don't have the inverted yield curve right now. Could you give me no, a do. quick- We oh, do. We do, okay, we do that's have my an thought. inverted yield curve, yes. Can you just give me- And it just indicates an inflation. A quick definition of what it means, what people should look for oh, on that.
2: An, an inverted yield curve means short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates. So if you look at the two and three-year treasury rate, It's higher than the 10-year. The two-year right now is 4.1. The 10-year is 3.4. So that means, Tony, you you can make more money investing for two years than you can for 10. That's absurd. That makes no sense for the economy. Who's going to build a factory if they can make more money with a short-term
0: two-year investment? What's That's am- what has been caused by the Biden administration. So I will admit to you that until the past couple of months, I never looked at a treasury a day in my life. It was never uh, in, in in my, my thoughts. Uh, and these numbers are going to change throughout the day. But I think this is how things closed yesterday, where the 10-year was 3.44. The two-year was 4.181. The six-month treasury is 4.71%. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I, of course, six mo- I can wrap up my money for six months. I should be buying nothing but six month treasuries at this moment. No,
2: Tony, that's exactly what a rational person will do. And that's what you should do. But Tony, do you see how bad that is for the economy? If you decide as an investor to invest for six months, instead of putting up a factory, that's going to last 10 or 20 years, which is better for the economy. Obviously the factory is better, but, this administration is incentivizing you not to do a long-term investment.
0: That is absurd. Yeah, but for the Tony economy, uh, 4.7 is, 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 is not so bad. Not so bad for the Tony. Is there uh, amongst economists that you talk to, people that you speak with, when we talk about recession? uh, First, the belief that indeed 2023 will bring, bring recession. And is there a thought process to, based on the Fed's movement over the course of 2022, how long that might last? Uh, Tony, you're, you, you I'm not you asking to you, I asked what economists are two. saying. I wasn't specifically asking you <laughs> to go out on a limb with your crystal ball. I, I, I'm just saying
2: the global recession is already here. Um, how long it will last depends a lot on trade factors, policy factors. Everything I'm hearing from other people is that it's, globally it's going to be a long-term one. In the U.S. and maybe three or four quarters. I don't necessarily agree. I think Jerome Powell could still head it off.
0: So you have faith in in this maneuver, but you're concerned that he might go too far. So let's argue he goes too far. He raises interest rates too much. What happens then?
2: Then we have a longer, deeper recession because you're going to combine his policy with the Biden policies, which are extremely recessionary. And those two things are going to be very harmful. So, again, it's this, it's, this, it's this boxing match. It's this battle. They're battling over inflation. They're battling over a recession. Biden's policies are creating a recession. Powell's pro, uh, policies are trying to prevent a recession. It's, it's a very – call it a dance if you don't like the analogy of boxing. But it, these two guys are battling it out, and, and Powell's got his work cut out for him.
0: Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time. On Twitter, D-R-M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will on Twitter. Appreciate it. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz.
1: I thank you. Uh, Mr. Ray, and Madam Chairwoman, I'd like to submit an op-ed for the record describing an existing SEC rule that could have prevented customer assets from being misused. And I appreciate my constituent, Ron Krzyzewski, President of CEO of Stifle Nicholas, for his thoughtful comments. I associate myself with those, and I'd like
0: this entered for the record. So this is part of the hearing that took place regarding much. FTX,
1: the because I am
0: sorry, I'm not going to listen to uh, Maxine Waters. I just I have rules. Tony Katz, <laughs> Tony Cats today. It's good, good, good to be with you. Um, the person testifying um, for uh, FTX is not the guy responsible for what took place. His name is John Ray. Um, his, his job is to figure out exactly how ugly this is and what caused the ugliness. And I believe some of his commentaries and, and writings have said, uh, I've never seen this level of poor management of no systems. I, it, it, this was clown show from beginning to end. And Sam Bankman Freed, who's been arrested, needs to go to jail in my view. I don't think I'm, I'm alone in that view. But I don't want to see this now lead to, and this is why we need to engage serious, serious regulation of crypto. Yeah, what they want to do, they're they're looking for an excuse, and I'm not interested. I am not interested in their excuse. I'm interested in cryptocurrency existing. Don't get me wrong. I own some crypto. Not enough to count, guys. Not a a Bitcoin millionaire. Not a Bitcoin billionaire. None of that kind of stuff. I've lost some money. Sure, I have. I gave it a shot. I lost some money. I have other things I've done very well in. The it seems that the investments I always make in myself, my own content, that that pays off. When I try other things, eh, not as well. Varying degrees of, of success, are right there. But I've seen crypto rise and fall and rise and fall, and I, I'm a believer. And that hasn't changed. None of this has changed. A guy being a, a criminal, low life scumbag, son of a. You know what? That does not change my position on the idea of decentralized currency. So the hearings are happening. We'll see what goes on. The charges, of course, that are out there and how this progresses. Don't forget that this Saturday, 4 to 6 p.m., signing books, my book, Let's Go Bourbon. It's the bourbon reader you've always needed. Perfect Christmas or Hanukkah gift uh, there uh, at uh, Smoker's Choice in Brownsburg on Green Street. We'll be smoking cigars. There's going to be some bourbon uh, that you can purchase, and we'll be signing books. Sign in books, and we've got some other swag you can get for people for the holidays. The perfect Christmas and Hanukkah gifts. I've got them for you. Smoker's Choice, 4 to 6 p.m. So be sure to be there and smoke a cigar with us. We're going to hang out, going to be pretty uh, fantastic. Answer your questions, whether they're cigar related, political related, whatever. Whatever it is, I'll be there. Fingers of Loyal will be there. Smoker's Choice in Brownsburg. You can buy the book. You don't need a ticket or anything else. Buy the book. Buy the swag. Do it all. Uh, and uh, it's going to be fantastic. Smoker's Choice, Brownsburg, 4 to 6 p.m. this Saturday. That's the 17th. Make sure you are there. And I will catch you tomorrow, everyone. Take care.